Christmas time. I kind of like what Nikki was saying earlier. You know, we love it. And when it comes, we're so glad it's gone, right? <laughs> yes, it's over. I love being in the Christmas season. We love the time that we really take a lot of time and uh, focus on our family, really, you know, kind of um, do a lot of special gatherings with the family and get together and um, enjoy a lot of games and fun food and just a, just a time of, of closeness together as a family. Can we turn this down a little bit? Cause I'm like scared of it. So that'd be great. Thanks. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I promise I know how to be loud enough if I need to, but, um, yeah, we take a lot of time with the family during Christmas time and, and enjoy that. Um, and I hope you guys do that as well. I think that, that this is a really special time of year when, when we can do that. But always for me, um, as, as Christmas comes and goes and we start to turn the corner into that next week where we're looking towards the new year, things begin to shift on the inside of me. I, I just begin to kind of look at, look at my life and look at um, what, I'm, what I'm doing uh, and begin to focus on some different things. I don't know if this is like just unique to me or if everybody does this or if we start to look out um, over the new year and think, what do, we, what do we wanna see in this new year that is maybe different than what we've been seeing? Um, um, obviously, I think the world does this a little bit because they have, we all talk about the New Year's resolutions that we, people begin to make, um, and they last for about a week and a half, maybe, uh, depending on what they are. And but um, um, set some goals into the new year. You know, what are we going to do differently? And um, I like to do that. And. Um, so uh, when we were planning for this service, knowing that we were going to be here together on New Year's Eve, uh, we, uh, as a team, we were talking about that and thought, you know what, we need a, we need our focus to be, um, you know, looking forward into this new year and and wanting to to uh, end the current year strong. Uh, so we we our our theme for today was finishing strong, and so that's what I have at the top of my notes. I have finishing strong um, and so when I was planning for this service I was planning for a, a big celebration uh, you know humdinger of a service just um, talking about finishing the year with a bang filled with excitement uh, talking about all our accomplishments all the things God's done all the things that we've accomplished this year like God's done some really amazing things and uh, celebrating that and I think that's That'd be a wonderful thing to do. That's not what I'm going to do. So I'm sorry if that's what you were expecting. <laughs> it's a little bit different because the Lord interjected some of his thoughts into my plans. And sometimes I really like that. And other times I really don't. How about you? <laughs> You're like, God, I had a really good plan. He's like, well, mine's better. Okay. He's usually right, usually. <laughs> I love those words, right? <laughs> He's usually right. The Bible's true, I think, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> it's good. 
All right. So the Lord began to speak to me about what it actually means to finish strong in the kingdom. What does that look like? What does it mean? Normally, when we think about finishing strong, we're, we're pumping, pumping ourselves up with enthusiasm and energy to, to take ourselves across the finish line. We're going to finish strong, right? That's kind of the idea that we all, that, that we would have in our minds. At least that's what I, I pictured. I was picturing myself gritting my teeth and sweating profusely and giving my all to finish 2017 with everything I have. Like, I'm going for it. Ah! Finishing strong. <laughs> Any of you guys have a picture kind of like that sometimes? Maybe not quite like that, but the Lord showed me that there were some elements that, that he had in mind for us to finish strong, some different ones than maybe what I just described. So I'm not going to really be long this morning because I want to take some time and, and do some ministry, but I'm going to share um, the three things that God highlighted to me, and then I'm going to ask Angie to come, and she's going to share a couple additional thoughts some focuses that the Lord gave her, and then we're going we're gonna to do a couple things. We're going to minister and release some things this morning. So um, basically what I felt from the Lord was this. At the, at the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018, it was important for us to recalibrate our hearts to some things. Um, I heard a message recently from um, an amazing man of God named Bobby, Bobby Connor. Um, and if you've ever listened to Bobby Connor preach, um, he doesn't really have a message. He has like all these little stories that kind of have points and kind of has these thoughts that he throws in there in scripture that's all, all throughout it. Um, he's a pretty amazing man. But um, one of the things he said is that the, that word recalibration or recalibrate is, is a word that's hanging over the body of Christ as we step into 2018. And I really believe him. I think it's, there's, really, there's really a truth to that because that's kind of what the Lord was speaking to me. So I'm stealing that word from him a little bit. But um, let me just tell you what recalibration means. Um, and I'm not going to get too technical. I'm sure that someone, uh, Dave, could probably get really technical here and tell us exactly what recalibration means. But basically, what if we were to recalibrate something, uh, what that, that means, it would mean to set it back to the actual standard that it's supposed to be measured by. You're, you're, like, you're trying to like move it back, even if it's just a small adjustment, you're adjusting it so that it, is, it measures accurately and truly according to the proper uh, measurement. So is that close enough for, for us this morning? Pretty close? Okay, so what I, I feel for our hearts is God wants to set us back to the standard of truth that, that Scripture teaches us on some things. Now, I'm not going to get heavy. This isn't going to be like really like deep, but it's going to be important, okay? So this is some, some, some heart elements that God wants to set back to the, the way, to the way that he intended us as believers to operate, okay? Can we do that? And in that process, part of, uh, part of recalibrating our hearts, we're also going to be exchanging some things. Because what we're exchanging is what we currently have set as our heart, our, our, our heart um, mentality, our thought process, or, or uh, where we're at in our thinking or in our heart. 
We're going to adjust that. We're going to release that way of thinking and we're going to grab onto the truth again. Okay. So we're making that kind of an exchange as we go through this. So um, the first thing that God highlighted to me uh, is that God wants to re- us to recalibrate our hearts to his presence. Seems like a really simple thought. Like, <laughs> um, yes, you know, he wants to recalibrate our hearts to his presence. Um, life flows from God's presence. As, as I don't know if Angie's going to share this. Uh, I, I, I have no idea all that she might share, but one of the things that we talked about over this the last week, um, she had had this dream, but I'm not going to go into any details, but I'm just going to say this. Oftentimes, we try to do as much as we possibly can do on our own, and then when we get stuck, we ask for God's help. How many can kind of identify yourself in that kind of statement? Like, I'm, you know, I like to be self-sufficient. I like to do as much as I can. I'm kind of a, I can carry a lot. I can do a lot of things. And, and so I try to do as much as I possibly can on my own. And then when I get to a place where I can't accomplish what I want to accomplish, I'm like, that's when I ask for God's help. But that isn't actually the lifestyle that God has for believers. He wants to partner with us in life all the time. He wants to be right there with us even when we're feeling comfortable. How many are all kind of identifying themselves here? I totally see myself here. Um, and uh, so to, to live from his presence means, you know, we're going to live out of connection to God all the time. Not because we're desperate because we can't do everything on our own. I mean, there are some things that we can do. Right? We can get up and go to work and go to the gym and we can do certain things that are kind of like those are in our control. We can, we can balance our checkbook. We can pay our bills. We can, sometimes we can't, but, when, <laughs> but you hear what I'm saying, right? There are things we can do, but God wants to be involved with us intimately in all the aspects of our life. He doesn't want to be like, oh, I just want to be there for, for the extra stuff you need. No, he wants to live with us day in and day out, breathing in, breathing out. He wants to be there a constant part of our existence. That to me is the power of his presence. That's what living a lifestyle uh, that's, that's focused on his presence looks like. Uh, Psalm 16 is a familiar scripture. Uh, it says this, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy is found in his presence. The, the idea that's presented here is that outside of his presence, you can't find fullness of joy. You can't find it. You might want it, but you can't have it unless you're living a lifestyle that's in his presence. Because in his presence is where you find fullness of of joy. Um, And it says right after that, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That, That should be one of those statements that are like, I can't believe that. I can't imagine what that uh, what that looks like. There's 
when, when I'm with God, there are pleasures forevermore. There, and, and maybe a lot of us were, grew up with the idea that, that pleasure was sort of one of those things as Christians we were supposed to suppress. Like we're not supposed to have fun. We're not supposed to have a, a good life. We're not supposed to have pleasure. Pleasure is one of those evil things that we suppress and get rid of. But God says in my presence is fullness of joy. And at my right hand, when you're with me, there are pleasures forevermore. I like to think of it this way. Everything good, fullness of everything good is found in his presence. If you, I mean, if you want any good thing in your life, and, and most of us don't like spend a lot of time wanting bad things. We may spend a lot of time um, uh, thinking about bad things, but we don't want bad things to happen, right? So we want good things. All of those good things come from a lifestyle of living connected to God. All of them. I believe that. I believe you'll find it true as you step into that kind of a lifestyle if you, if, if you haven't been doing that. Fullness of every good thing is found in his presence. Acts 17, uh, verse 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. It's in him. All of that's found in him. So I just, that's, that's the first area of recalibration for us. Recalibrating our hearts to hunger for intimacy and connection with Jesus. Uh, to, to, to focus in on, on pursuing uh, that, that time with him and that lifestyle of being with him throughout every moment. That's a, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. Now, it takes, it takes a, a, a labor to keep our minds there. You guys understand what I'm saying? You, you've been here with me, I know. Because um, every kind of life, every, every life kind of pulls us outside of those opportunities to, to be with God. It's like, it's like just the, the opportunity to kind of step away from his presence is so easy. It's so easy, to, and, and it's, it's really important that we, like, um, we kind of pull ourselves back and say, no, you know, I want to live connected to God. I want to I live in his presence. I want to have a constant conversation going on with God. God, what do you think about the snow? God, you know, I don't know. What, whatever it is, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in your world, um, are you having this constant conversation with God? That's what it looks like to live in his presence. What we, um, what we are exchanging is we're trading in doing life in our own strength doing it on our own, to living a lifestyle of connection with him, living in and from his presence. All right, number two. Um, number two is rest. Um, so, you know, we have, we were talking about that picture, like finishing strong. Um, God was speaking to me about rest. Kingdom work is done from rest. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It isn't that we don't have to work in the kingdom. <laughs> There, there are some teaching theology out there uh, in the world that, that that is like kind of that message that 
um, you don't have to do anything. Um, and, you know, we don't have to do anything to earn God's love. He gave that to us freely. But I've found that kingdom work is the hardest work that I've ever seen sometimes. I mean, sometimes it is, there's a lot of work, but our, our opportunity is to live that life, that, that work, that going for the kingdom from a place of rest. Not, not striving, but rest. So that's the second thing, recalibrating our hearts to live in rest. And what we're trading in, we're trading that striving, that stressed out, anxious, performance-based Christianity to a life of sonship. We're trading in striving, getting rid of that. We're, 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 we're trading in being stressed out and anxious about everything that's happening. We're trading in this idea of, of um, God rewarding us based on our performance. Like, you know, he only, he only loves us or releases love to us when we are good kids. When we make mistakes, God still loves us. And he still wants the best for us. And he still is releasing good things to us. How many have ever experienced these things like when, like you, um, maybe you haven't been like at the top of your game. You've been like making some mistakes. You, uh, you kicked the dog, you yelled at the wife, you um, grumpy with the kids. Okay, I'm talking about myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, these are things that happen to us and I, and I kind of like, I kind of had these thoughts and maybe you can, you can recognize them or, or identify yourself here. But I've had these thoughts like, well, um, God is displeased with me in those moments because he's like, you're better than that. You know, you're not that grumpy old guy that wants to kick the, got to keep it right, kick the dog, yell at the wife. At least it's that good, right? All right. <laughs> um, I, I've had those thoughts that are like, God is not going to release blessing over my life when I'm living that way because he's, in the moment, he's displeased with me. How many have had those kind of thoughts? How many realize that that's a real performance-based love? That's, that's, the, that's the mindset of an orphan. You have to do everything right in order to get the love that you want. And that's just not who our God is. He is so, so overwhelmingly good that we, we, we wouldn't even probably be able to fully understand that maybe our whole lives because he's so, 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 so good. So we're trading striving, stressed out, anxious, performance-based Christianity for a life of sonship where we work from a place of identity of, as sons and daughters trusting him. I think that's a really good trade. <laughs> Third thing, I told you I was going to be short. Third thing is joy. This is something that God was speaking to me about, about recalibrating my heart to joy. Um, when, um, when we talk about finishing strong, we need to, we need to recalibrate our heart setting, our, our normal, uh, our normal uh, setting, our default setting to a setting of joy. 
um, Brittany, my daughter-in-law, who is uh, Justice and Brittany, are in Idaho uh, with her side of the family this weekend, and um, I'm super excited for their celebration down there. They they uh, it's a, they have a wonderful time when they're there, so great that they're there. Um, Although I miss my grandkids, sorry, it's real. Okay, so Brittany, uh, we were uh, we were around the table uh, at our house. It was one of the Christmas celebration meals we were having together. We were gathered for some reason. It might have been a birthday. We have a birthday that's kind of mixed into Christmas time, um, Solomon's birthday. Um, and we, we celebrated a couple days early because he was flying to Colorado to... Uh, for a ministry trip from the Bethel, they have a team that went up there. He met them there in Colorado, Denver, and they were um, ministering there. He got to preach on his birthday uh, night, so he was super excited about that. Um, yeah, they, they did they did worship and um, and ministered the word. They called it. Um, um, musicians with a message, I think, is what they called it, and they were they were ministering to a, what kind of church was it? Did he tell you? It was like um, um, some kind of a an African culture that Nigerian, yeah, I think that's right. So the whole church is a Nigerian church, and there was there's one uh, one of the students that was a part of the team that came from uh, their church, and so that's the connection they had. But they were doing musicians with a message, and so all of the music they had five of them on the team, and they were obviously doing worship at each session, and then they uh, one of the five team, uh, team members would preach at the session. So he got to preach on his birthday night. So super fun. But anyway, my story started talking about something around the table. Brittany asked this question. He, she just um, engaged us in conversation and said, you know, do any of you have any uh, New Year's resolutions that you've been thinking about? Brittany's great for those kinds of conversations. She likes to kind of pull on people and get some insights into what we're thinking about. Um, and it was, for me, it was an immediate response is that I want to laugh more often. I, I view myself kind of as a serious person. <laughs> like I'm kind of, that I am kind of like, I'm focused in on what I'm trying to do. I'm serious. I don't, I, you know, no monkey business. I and mean, my kids like get out of line. I'm kind of like normal. The, my normal thing is like back in the lines. Stop that. I mean, you know, and I just, not, I don't really smack my kids. It's an expression. Um, it's like, do I call, do I call the, the hotline? No, you don't need to I think they're okay. Um, but that's sort of like natural for me is to really be rigid and like I'm supposed to, we, we follow the rules, we, you know, we do what we're supposed to, we don't get out of line and we're serious about this. This is life. This is, we're, this is life here. Serious. It's kind of who I can be sometimes. And um, I just had kind of, as we kind of went through the end of the, the year and the holiday season, we were having lots of fun times and we were laughing around the table, we were playing some games and I realized I really like that. <laughs> I like that me. <laughs> My kids probably like it a lot better too. Um, they don't always get that, but, um, but I want to laugh more often. It was my immediate response to Brittany as she asked us that question. 
And the Lord's been showing me that when we live intentionally joyful, we accomplish a whole lot more. Did you get that? With lots less effort. And it's more fun along the way. That's actually just how it works. We're having fun. We're laughing. We do it with a lot less effort and it's more fun. Sounds like a good idea, right? Um, but this is an area of recalibration for us. Um, in Nehemiah, this is a story that um, they were rebuilding the wall. They, they got the wall rebuilt and everything, they're starting to get things kind of set back up in Jerusalem. Um, but they, they gathered together and they wanted to, to read the law because they, these guys had been exiled, right? I'm just kind of bringing a little bit of context. But they had been exiled to, to Babylon and suddenly they're back in Jerusalem. They're rebuilding the temple. They're rebuilding the wall um, around Jerusalem. And they want Ezra, the priest, to read the law to them so they can, because they want to kind of understand what's been going on. So they get together and they, they read the law. And it says this, I'm going to start at verse 8 of chapter 8. Um, so if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Nehemiah 8, verses 8 through 10. It says, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So you get the picture? You see what's happening? They're like, they're having this moment. They're coming back together. They're, they're God's people assembling after, after a long time of being uh, gone. They kind of get, their, their world starts to get shaped back together. They begin to, to, uh, to turn their hearts and their affection towards the Lord. They, they read the law and they weep. Like, oh my gosh. There's so many things that we didn't know about, that we hadn't heard. Um, it was 70 years that they were exiled. So most of them, probably all of them present, had never been in Jerusalem, never heard the law. Uh, so there, I mean, there was this understanding of, oh my gosh, we haven't heard this before. And they instruct them, they tell them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Why did they say it? It says right after that, because they were weeping. The people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord to our Lord, do not sorrow for the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And all of us, that's, that's kind of one of those Christian quotes that you have on all these things, you know, on your bumper and everywhere else, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. But the context of that is in this story where they are, they're weeping because of their, how, how broken their situation is, the fact that they're coming together back in Jerusalem and, and, and they're, just, they're hearing the law, they're aware of their brokenness, and God tells them, don't weep. Don't do none of that weeping stuff. But celebrate instead. Because 
The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't sorrow. I was at a time of prayer not too long ago, about a month and a half ago. I was, I was praying, and, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Stop mourning. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't aware of, of the fact that I was mourning. I wasn't aware of it. And uh, there were things that were going on that I was wrestling over. Um, I was I was stressing over some things, but I didn't I didn't just really recognize it. And the, the voice of the Lord just kind of cut through. That He said, "Stop mourning." And uh, He was just reminding me to live from that place of joy. You know, we don't need strength after the battle is over. That, you know, when we've won the battle, when you're like standing on the other side of victory and you're like, that was awesome. You don't, you don't actually need joy and you don't need strength. That comes naturally when you're in, in that spot, right? You're like, I feel good. My life is in order. We just won. It was awesome. That's not when you need strength. When you need strength, strength is when you're back... In, in the midst of the battle when you're when you're in the when you're facing difficulty and you're not getting through right now that's when you need strength so if that, if if the joy of the lord is our strength practicing joy when it doesn't make sense ought to be something that we learn to do because then we could be strong in the midst of our trial. We could be strong in the midst of the difficult circumstances that we're facing. We could be strong in the face of opposition and hardship. And that's when we need our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So that's the third thing, recalibration. Uh, Number three, to set our hearts and minds to a state of intentional, consistent joy, lifestyle. Joy as a lifestyle. I mean, do you see that in the the story of Nehemiah? Nehemiah, Nehemiah, do you see that their natural response was weeping? And God said, don't do that. Don't do what's natural. Have joy instead. Because joy is strength. So for us as believers, what, is, what ought to be our natural, our default setting is joy no matter what happens. Joy is like, that's, that's where God wants us to live is this place of joy that, that provides us with strength. That's, that's the natural place. That's, a, that's the default setting that we ought to be reaching for as believers. So what we're exchanging is we're exchanging our sorrows. Some of us, we hold on to our sorrows. That's what I was doing when the Lord stepped in and said, stop mourning. I was hanging on to my sorrows. Like, this is a hard part of my life. This is a hard part of my life. This is something not good. This is something difficult. This is challenging. And he's like, stop that. That's not helping you. That's not helping you overcome. If you, if you begin to step into joy, even in the midst of those things we're facing, then that's when we overcome. So, cool. 
So those are my three things. And um, I wasn't as short as I was thinking I would be, but I was close. I'm still shorter than normal. But Ange, are you ready to come and share with, with everyone what you were thinking? What God highlighted to you? All right. Lately, um, God's been speaking to John and I a lot in dreams, and um, so I've been doing better about writing them down, but um, John was alluding to a dream, and I kind of have been having them in sets, so I'm like, okay, God, this is you telling me, please pay attention. I'm like, thank you for giving me another opportunity to hear you, but um, in this dream, I was pregnant at the beginning of the dream, and I... um, had the baby and then I called up my midwife a couple days later and said oh by the way I had my baby I forgot to tell you she was like what you had your baby I could lose my license I'm like oh sorry I you know felt really bad and then I woke up soon after that and was going to sitting at the kitchen table and reading my bible and I was just grieving I'm like gosh I'm doing something wrong and you know we're getting all the books ready for you know so I'm thinking losing my license that's probably something legal and you know we've been doing lots of conversations with lawyers and setting up the new corporation for Thrive and I'm like oh what are we doing wrong Lord what are we doing wrong and so I'm sitting down I'm just in turmoil because clearly I am on the wrong track and so I get in my Bible and I just my pattern for how I'm reading my Bible um, lately has been I just start in a chapter where I feel like God's inspiring me so I've been in Luke and then I was John and then I'm back in John and Luke and anyway so my marker was in Luke and I just started where I had been at the end and it was Luke 24 and Jesus is appearing to the disciples um, for the first time after the resurrection so he comes in and he says peace be to you and I felt the Lord I'm like ha this is Holy Spirit right now telling me to be at peace and I knew that I was misinterpreting my dream that he was not telling me you've done something wrong you need to do this so it's like okay well I'm gonna trust you I don't know what it means and that so our son Solomon um, he's been you know studying some dream interpretation taking classes and just practicing so it's lots of question asking it's not here let me tell you what your dream means it's like you know what do you think and so it kind of actually connected to things God had spoken to me in years past and it was really a special time um, even to share with him but um one of the things um we discovered it's like nancy is the name of my midwife and her name means grace grace of god and he's like i think this is god telling you and when um telling you that he wants to do life with you he wants to go into this new season with you don't go in your own strength 
don't deliver your baby all by yourself, even though you can. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. So I'm like, you know, write down my notes and that. So three or four days later, have another dream. In this dream, I'm like going along, doing my stuff, and you know, I'm in charge of food at a ladies' retreat, and I'm going along, and I'm carrying this baby with me, and going, and somebody's like, I thought breakfast was provided with this. And I'm like, oh, they don't have breakfast? How could they not have breakfast here? You know, we paid for this and that. And all they could offer was Little Caesar's pizzas for breakfast with egg on the side. It was ridiculous, hilarious. But um, anyway, those are just silly details that I did not feel the Lord on, but I just thought I would share. But um, in this dream, someone um, in authority over me was disappointed and or said something and I'm like, oh, they're disappointed in me. And as soon as I thought that thought, it was like the Holy Spirit was all over that. No, you're reading the situation wrong again. <laughs> they're not disappointed. You've got to allow me. So the theme that I'm like, Lord, what are you telling me in this? And he's like, I'm telling you, you have an opportunity. There is grace to think new thoughts, to not do things on your own to think of how to live with me and to not fall back into your idea of performing or that you're disappointing other people or that. So I just want to release that over you today. Just that hope for new ways of thinking, new ways of acting, new choices to make um, in this new year. It's just, um, just felt like there was so much grace, which I did um, share earlier. But uh, yesterday I laid down and I had a dream, which is unusual because like, I like to take a power nap in the afternoon. Sometimes it's just 20 or 30 minutes, sometimes longer. Sunday afternoon naps are longer. They're like the two, three hour ones. They're like gold. Oh, love them. Love my naps. That's, that's how I survived this uh, uh, mothering experience. <laughs> but... Um, I dreamt actually about making preparations for today, for the service. And um, um, in my dream, I was aware Noah was there, and which isn't honestly unusual. He helps a lot. But I felt like the highlight, like when in just Noah's name means rest and comfort. And I thought that was important to share, that God um, has rest for us and he has comfort, which I didn't know John's points, but obviously he was highlighting rest today. But in my dream, I saw someone, it's like in their spirit, saw someone reaching out, like the woman with the issue of blood, reaching out for healing. And just that faith, of, if I touch, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I know there's hope today. I will be made whole. And I just, I mean, I saw it actually connected to taking communion. Just saw that exchange. Someone just reaching out in faith and God responding in that moment um, and bringing healing. And then in my dream, I was... Um, I could hear people and they were, it's like they're... Um, 
I think it was more like hearing their thoughts. I didn't know that it was words, but it was a couple and they were talking and saying, I don't think we can go on. We can't go on like this. And, you know, I don't know what the conclusion, if they were talking divorce or they were just talking about this struggle in this season. I can't go on. And I just felt like God has answers. God has breakthrough today. So just because it was, you know, because I dreamt it yesterday and I was dreaming actually about this service. I just want to encourage your hearts that God wants to meet individuals. God wants to encounter you in your need today and in um, in our time of communion. I just um, believe that God just wants to finish strong. I mean, it just sounds like a dad to me, you know, him flexing his muscles, you know, um, just to show how good he is. So, so yeah. All right, so what we're going to do here is we are going to uh, take communion and just want to encourage you to do that kind of individually today. A lot of times we do that in, in groups. But I want you to just imagine as you're making, as you're taking the bread and, and the grape juice, that you're actually, you're making an exchange for your, you're giving yourself away, but you're taking the Lord. I mean, these, these sacraments that we take in, um, you know, they, the bread represents Christ's body that was broken for us. Um, so as we do that, take, uh, you know, maybe you identified yourself in, in one or more of the things that I talked about or in the things that Angie mentioned. Uh, as you do that, make that exchange. I'm going to be, I'm going to sing a song. I'd like the, the band, if you guys are ready to come back and we're going to, we're going to do a song. Um, feel free. Uh, this is the end of the service. We're doing this on purpose at the end because what we want is for you to make that exchange because we don't want to live life in our strength. We want to live from his presence. We don't want to live life striving and, and anxious and stressed out. We want to live in rest. We don't want to live life um, focused on our sorrows or all the difficult things. We want to live from a place of joy. And if there's a need that you have, if you're, if whether it's a physical need or just something that in your heart you're reaching out for, like that woman with the issue of blood, stretch your faith out as you take communion today to believe that this isn't just some ritual religion thing that religious thing that we do this is actually a, a prophetic act for us to encounter the lord and that you could touch the hem of his garment this morning and you could find healing if you uh, maybe you, you identified yourself in that last picture that she gave about i just can't go on whether that's a, in a relationship that you have or um uh, and just sort of looking at your life, you just you just see it kind of a the end of a road. I don't know if that what that exactly would be for you, but if that's you, then put that into this exchange and see what the Lord gives you in return. Because I guarantee you, it's going to be good. So, Amen. So I'm just going to invite you to do that, and we're going to sing. You can sing with us. You can lay on the floor. You can cry if you want to cry. If you need to cry, cry. Uh, if you want to dance, then dance. But whatever you need to do to make that exchange to finish 2017 strong, then I encourage you to do that. Amen. Amen.